previously on Many Realms, the many merchants of Maloon. Tensions rise as the party enters the Great Swamp, with the intimidating terrain finally setting fire to the embers of conflict that have been smoldering since the party departed Soleil. With the first leg of the journey through the swamp completed, a weary caravan sets up camp to prepare for the latter half of the trial. Hi, I'm Jesse, I play Sylvie the Rogue, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Eli, I play Jolie the Cleric, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Joria, I play Zeke the Fighter, and it's good to be here. Hello, Realmers, it is I, Jordan the DM, and it is good to be here. Welcome to Many Realms. You're all now level two, yes? Two, not three? I'm level five. I'm level seven. We're all now level two, um, (laughs) which is one more than one, which is a lot better than when you started. We leveled up off record based off that polywog fight. Uh, We figured that for these uh, meandering merchants uh, to overcome a fight like that obviously would merit some experience. And so now as we set up camp for the night because we do have to spend a full night in the swamp um you are slightly stronger than you were before it took us two days of travel to get to level two so at this rate by the time we get to astra we'll be like swole god kings yeah i love to be a god king that's actually what i'm here for there you go that's a great goal to have um, okay, so you've all kind of set up, I believe that we left off, but there was like a little patch of clearing that you found and you set up camp for the night. All the wagons have kind of turned about. You've made uh, like a, a circle of your wagons as both like a defensible position as well as like to keep you all together. And then in the center of that, there's probably a couple various little campfires based on all of our uh, mean girls cliques that have now uh, formed among the caravan. Are we the plastics? Are you? I think Tulip would be the plastics. Tulip's the plastics. Are we Damien and Janice? Uh, are we even? Yeah, those are the clicks. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, who is the owner of Kiki, Jesse? Like, who, who, who's Kiki with primarily? Is it Paz or? It's, it's usually Paz, as, in as much as there is an owner. Because... Um, we discussed before that Ben and Paz were kind of cooking, were getting into the, cause I believe it was Paz wanted to learn more specifically about like slotting into a position in the caravan and that being at least uh, among other duties, like being a cook of sorts. That's a lot of what he does for the troop in their day to day lives. He's really the only like sensible mature adult among the three of them so uh yeah paz definitely does the majority cooking for the troop and if it was something where he wanted to feel useful in the caravan and he's not really a fighter i could definitely see cooking being something that he shines in 
think that Ben and Paz are now kind of by that duty having to kind of interact a little bit more. Um, if Paz is sitting there cooking and perhaps Kiki's nearby, uh, Carla actually comes up to Paz and asks to uh, to hold Kiki. Paz is extremely chill. Uh, he's like Ben, very stoic. He's a pretty internal person. Um, if Carla came up to ask to hold Kiki, Paz would just be like, just watch out. She bites. Okay, I'll be careful. <sighs> she she still sees the world with those sparkling eyes. Where's her mother? If it's okay to ask. Her mother came during the eclipse one year. Stayed for a number of years. And then the last eclipse before the the separation of the town, uh, she she left and I haven't seen her since. She left with the, the boats. And how'd the little miss take it? As well as you can imagine, but she uh, she still thinks that she's coming back, so I don't know if it's hit her in the way that maybe it will. That's a sorry lot you've got there, Ben. No. No, because I still have her. Pass smiles slightly. There's youngins here. The blacksmith girls seem to take a shine to her. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I thought it was the other way around. I kind of was worried that maybe she was maybe a bit much for them. Uh, she's, she's had trouble making friends in the past, so. You seem to keep her on a pretty tight tether. What is it you're afraid of? Is that really a question? At this point, I mean, have a look around and look at what we've seen. You don't have to be all too smart to see that there's a little bit of animosity brewing here. And I don't really fancy being in the middle of that. You think someone's here has got a mind to violence against your kid? No, I just don't. I don't have a mind to find out. He goes for like a taste test. He goes... Oh, that's not our finest work. Pals would probably be the kind of person to keep, like, herbs and 11 secret herbs and spices in the caravan for um, helping to flavor up whatever the troop has to, like, subsist on for time being. So maybe at his belt he has uh, just a little something. He's not a pro chef by any means, but he has a little something he can sprinkle in to help. It's a mild hallucinogenic to help the uh, the taste of the stew. Great in like a, in like a you know, a wonderful, hostile environment. Just get everyone a little, their senses a little, you know. We're doing that episode. <laughs> no, no, he sprinkles like some Gadorni in to uh, to help pick it up. That's a deep cut, real rumors now. He mixes it in, tries it again, and kind of gives a nod of affirmation. Puts his fingers between his lips, purses them, and lets out a big whistle, and that kind of just cues everyone to file up, grab a grab a bowl, grab a spoon. Obviously, the first to come, uh, as per usual, are Nikolai and Cheyenne. Uh, we don't have to do a big thing about it, but I just think that it's worth noting that, you know, of course, of course, they're first. Of course, Nikolai and Cheyenne first. Um, Carla comes back to Paz and kind of holds out Kiki, who hops gracefully back to Paz's shoulder or, or wherever. Paz grins at Carla and says, uh, was she kind to you, little mistress? Yeah. Yeah, she don't mean no harm. She's just, uh, sometimes she's shy, but she does a lot of tricks. Look, he like 
snaps his fingers and Kiki can like balance on her tail like a Meryl Pokemon. I don't know, something cool like that. Got it. <laughs> what? No, it's good. It's good. It's, it's good. Sorry. Her, I want her anatomy to be as ambiguous as possible. She's fluffy, she's small, and she can like do something. Chinchilla monkey Azumaru. It's very in that in that realm. Uh, everyone goes through and gets their food. This is uh, quick crunch time, though, because, yeah, you are, I mean, this is the end of a day, so a day's rations. So how does everyone sit and get rid of one of your meats? Um, I was down to 0. 0.5. So you're at half a negative half a meat? Yeah. Oh, you die. Oh, no, my God. You don't have enough meat? You die. Sorry. No, no, you're, I don't know. Um, I will say that... What I'd like to see then, yeah, you either will have the option of trying to barter or ask for food or basically be like, I mean, in the case of you specifically, it's like Zeke could forgo eating. Level of exhaustion. Level of exhaustion. Exactly. Yeah. You'll take a hit for it, but your daughters will obviously be fine. That's very much what Zeke would choose, I think. It's also important to know, like Mean Girls, you know, people talk. So if you're coming around being like, oh, I have nothing to eat, like that's could be totally fine, but it also is the type of thing just like what presentation to the rest of the caravan are you are you giving? Yeah, I think he would try and find more food before asking. Okay. Find it where? We're in a swamp, just foragins. GLHF. Uh, okay, well, you have a couple options. Like, sure, uh, you can go if you want to foray into the swamp, you can. Um, Obviously, you know, you know, there's like some strange happening. I mean, you're aware of the threats of that. And yeah, the other one is that, yeah, if you could let the girls eat and that would just mean that in terms of a gameplay way that, yeah, you'd be taking like a level of exhaustion going into the next day because you didn't eat like a full meal. Yeah. So I could like try and scrounge something up now before I take the level of exhaustion. Is that what you're saying? You could. Yeah. Are you going to egoistically go out into the death swamp by yourself to find some McNuggets because you don't want anyone to know how little food you have? Well, I hope that there are A&W vegan nugs. Yo, that's not even fucking joking about those limited time nugs. So I think um, under normal circumstances he wouldn't be too proud to ask, but like you said, there's animosities brewing. Um, Zeke in in particular I think has been getting less and less trusting of the people around him. Um, he didn't start up off as like the most trusting guy, but since the beginning of this, Roddy killed that guy in front of him and he didn't like that. And Tulip and his people have been getting more and more separate from the rest of the group. Um, then there's even, um, he doesn't really care for magic and there's more and more magic happening around him. Right. So that's making him a little on edge. So I think um, that layering of distrust is uh, probably what drives him to, like, not ask for help. Um, he, the the call would be when food's ready, he'll, like, send his daughters to go, and then he's going to venture off, I think. Um, like, he probably thinks that he can find something, if not, like, small animal. This is a extremely interesting and good character choice, and I wasn't expecting, like... Zeke is fucking cracking two days in and he's like, I don't know. They're not going to kill me. I got to go eat a rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I I think especially just that first scene where like Roddy kills a guy in front of his face with a hammer. Roddy killed a guy in front of your face. Tulip kind of like gave you shit. 
like the rest of them you barely know yeah and he keeps like he's consistently so far been going up to people and being like hey let's cooperate and they have increasingly been like no yeah no i think i think it's under somewhat extreme circumstances and you're like well you you know this is a vulnerable place to be i don't want to also make it clear i'm in like a more vulnerable position so great so you want to go foraging and even a fucking what's his face stiffed me at the beginning Rodolo. Yeah. He comes you. you were, there, there's some residual trauma there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ripped off by the hot yeah. yowie elf. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. fair. All right, so am I rolling survival? Everyone's lining up for their food, grabbing their bowls and their spoons, and you kind of push your daughters to go get their food, as is normal for them. But as everyone's kind of lining up, you kind of slink away from the firelight mm-hmm. to go try and find some of your own food. Uh, ideally, not too far away. Um uh, yes, we can uh, certainly roll for survival as you try to forage for some food. 21. Damn. 21. Fortunately, you needed a 23 to not get swamp diarrhea. Fair. I got a beaver fever, but I'm surviving. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you walk, you skulk a little ways from the from the camp and on the way into this place, you feel like you recalled... Uh, not too far away, some particularly appetizing growths off the bottom of a tree. So you kind of retrace the steps that you guys did earlier away from the river coming to this campsite in the day. And as you do, you look to the base of this tree and you see some nice little uh, purplish mushrooms growing off. Do you take them, I presume? Yeah. And as Zeke pops down to pick them up, he hears a voice. I look around. You see nothing. Hey, Javier. You trace the sound now. After looking around, you look up and you see glimmering green eyes that are unblinking staring at you from right above you in the tree. Hey. Those are really good. (laughs) (laughs) Zeke, um, untrustworthy and now terrified... I'm going to run. I'm going to go. With uh, my... He jumps down at you. Oh, no. Blocking your path back to the camp. But he holds his hands out in front of him. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, I don't, I don't mean you any harm. I just wanted to talk. You're, you're with the, you're that group over there, yeah? This is a green dragonborn. Okay. Oh, oh. shit. His skin is, well, he looks like a fucking dragon born. Um, he has green scaly skin that is now actually kind of, um, in some sections, the like carapace-like skin has been um, kind of peeled off. Um, he kind of has like almost like a more patchy, patchy skin in some parts. And again, his eyes are more like a, like a light green lizard-like. Um, they are quite unnerving. Um, but that's just the characteristic, I think, of Dragonborns, where he's just like kind of staring at you with this very intense look. But everything that he's doing in terms of his posture is to try to betray that and try to, you know, make you feel at ease. Uh, who are you? My name is Kiel. Kiel? You are? Zeke. 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 Good. Yes. I, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for safety. Bastion from from this place. I've been here a long time. This is my home. And and I don't want it to be my home anymore. How long have you been here? 
as long as I can remember. And why do you want to leave? My home used to be a lush, beautiful forest, and look at it now. It's changed entirely. I don't have time. I can tell you later, but please, we should go back into the light. Kiel? Mm. Now, uh, the people I'm traveling with likely will not trust you right away. I personally don't know anything about you and can't vouch for you. Um, I will ask that you have some way of proving you are trustworthy and you are an asset to our caravan before we let you in. But I'll give you that opportunity and hopefully uh, the group will as well. What are you asking for? References? Yeah, I got my friend. Uh, his name's Rodolo. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what I think that this guy, what this, what this uh, Keel can do for us, is if he's a native of this swamp and we are low on resources, you could he, eat him. Yes. Dragonborn. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, I I think that that's not what I was gonna say. <laughs> Um, but we can probably, he can probably help us not eat, um, frogs and rats, you know, about not eating frogs and rats. Right. Okay. Um, with your wonderful, um, mushrooms and keel and toe, you head back into the light of the fire. Again, everyone is at their kind of like respective little fires. You guys can say who you're like dining with later if you want, but in everyone's now gotten their food and are eating, discussing the day ahead and the day that they just had. I think that the tone right now, though somewhat somber, is also maybe a bit more optimistic than one would initially think because as terrifying as the situation is, you did overcome quite the obstacle. Uh, and you did so uh, with relatively few injuries. Obviously, there's still that animosity and whatnot, but in terms of your own individual groups, it's like, maybe we can do this. Like, we did overcome that, um, which I think is indicative and Ginzen gives to the fact of, like, why you guys leveled up. Like, it's a showing of experience and surviving these um, circumstances. Uh, that said, um, what interrupts this to some degree is the return of Zeke, uh, purple mushrooms in tow, but perhaps more notably in tow, uh, large green dragonborn. Anyone can jump in any time, but I guess Zeke is kind of the one that will be like begin because you are presenting this individual <laughs> to the group. Uh, hey everyone, uh, this is Keel. I found him in a tree. Um, he wants to join us for the remainder of our journey to Astra. Um, I told him that I was not going to make any decisions for the group. So, Keel, say your piece. Keel slinks underneath one of the wagons, sitting like sitting underneath it, um, kind of hiding in the in the shadow of it. And he's like, I just want to leave with you. And what could you provide us if you were to join us? What, what can you do for us? I know my way around the forest. Um, question. So at the end of every day or beginning of every day, I can prepare new spells, right? 
What do you want to, if it's more interesting, I'll just let you do it now. Um, I, by leveling up, just got a new spell slot. Uh-huh. Um, I chose detect poison and disease. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Will you allow me? Mm-hmm. Sick. What is, I need another language of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, but just to play it out. Um, I think Jolie would, uh, kind of like put her hands in front of her and say, stop, stand there. We don't know you. He's like fully underneath one of the caravans. Um, okay. So Jolie just learned to take poison and disease. This is pretty sick because for up to 10 minutes, I can just like sense the presence and location of poison, poisonous creatures, diseases. And I can also like tell what they are. Okay. So I'm going to cast it and I guess look at Keel, but also our food. You absolutely detect um, it would be like you'd be glowing red with poison. Him? Keel, yes. That's unfortunate. So he's not diseased, but he's po- we can't eat him. He's poisonous. He is. He's not diseased. Is he poison or venom? <laughs> is very poisonous. But infectious to us like is it a disease or is he poisoned it is not a disease he bites us we die or we bite him we die jory said venomous or poisonous damn it uh i think if you bite him you die but if he bites us we're okay well you'll be bitten well you'll be bitten by a dragon but so he is poisonous uh well both actually both poisonous and venomous venomous, but he's not infectious yeah Okay. <laughs> food? Food? What food? All of it. I can look ten. at anything in, in within 10 minutes as long as I'm concentrating on it. Get your hands out of my stew. <laughs> Tell me what, though. Uh, I would assume that Zeke and Jolie would be looking at the food or would be probably around the same campfire, like mm-hmm. our families. Anything at that campfire, I'd probably look at Roddy's campfire because I like Roddy. I think I would look at Sylvie's the troops campfire. We had a nice moment last time. And Nick and Cheyenne and Chorley. The food that they're actively eating or is over their pot. I love this. This will be a winds of fate then. What? This is this is Schrodinger's disease. I picture her the way she's acting about it, and I just played the Metroid Prime remaster. It's like she's got a new visor the <laughs> map. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for yeah. what it's worth, I wasn't looking at Ben's food and I wasn't yeah. looking at too much. This, like I said, this is Schrodinger's disease now. Like, if I guess it, we die? What's the wind? For, for more clarity, I guess, um, at this point, I will tell you this. Um, the polywogs, disease. Oh. Okay. You, you may be able to try to purify it, but when you see it, yes, it's disease ridden. The rest of your food is fine, including That's the mushrooms. Cool. What was true is that no one had the disease. However, maybe they do. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> a lot of us got hit by a polywog. My initial thing was like, if you hadn't said this, they just didn't have it at this point. What the fuck? But now that you've analyzed the winds of fate. So you're into punishing place. me. No, no, I think it's wonderful. I'm just like, okay, well, I was like, this could he's, be very he, interesting. He's rewarding shit. you with plot. Yeah, what's the, what's the number? One. Nine. So no one's disease? All right. That means nine people are diseased. (laughs) Nine one people. The good winds of fate. All right. The winds of fate come with no result. The food's edible and the man is poisonous. (laughs) 
<laughs> sits back down, tucks into her dinner. Yeah, I imagine you have like a duster on. You like flip it back behind you as you yeah. sit down. You're like, you're like, he's poisonous. That has disease. And like someone like has a polywog arm like in their mouth, like about to bite it or something. <laughs> Uh, I think that Roddy comes up too now, though. Like, so uh, I think that you're all kind of like taking in the situation, and maybe no one like necessarily steps up because it, it is like, a, as you guys have already said yourself, despite me trying to say otherwise, like, this is unnerving. This is a bit odd. This is, especially even in the context of this. And I think like Roddy comes up brandishing like a blade and just squats down, looking underneath the wagon, and is examining uh, Keel. Sylvie will say openly, we're only a day out from a group of bandits that were stalking us through the hills around the swamp. He was just in the woods, Zeke? I thought of that too. I figured either way, he's either stalking us or not. Might as well bring him to the group and let us decide. I'm not inviting him. I'm just letting you all know. This is my home. I can help you. Why are you here? Like, why do you want our help now? Be- because I have to leave. Why? The, f- the forest is it's alive now. And it's malicious. What does that mean? I, years ago, it was a beautiful, wonderful forest. And I loved every day here. But then, I don't know what happened on the mainland, but it became a place of conflict. Travelers coming and fighting and fighting and so much fighting and so much blood and then that blood while well, the trees the forest itself started to drink it up and it changed and now it's it's alive swamp and it's malicious and it's, it's no place for someone like me i've been driven from my home and i just want to leave are there more like you? No. Not that I know. They've also joined the forest. Is this insight, perception? Is he telling the truth? Like he's really just a guy who doesn't want to be here anymore? Sure. Nice. Nice. Hey, Realmers. Nice. <laughs> 17. Uh, he seems to be telling the truth. All right, I'll take it. And seems quite earnest. Um, Jolie would definitely, I'm not voicing up right away, I'll let people talk, but I would definitely be of the mind to take him. Roddy speaks up and is like, there'll be no place for you here. No. But then you see, uh, a figure that, I mean, you all know, obviously, but you would recognize the walk quickly, which is, it's a slower walk. It's a more of a, not to keep using meander, but it's a meandering walk. It's the walk of an older, more refined lady. And so comes over Dame Helen Mirren. (laughs) Dame Helen Mirren. Uh, Cheyenne. Who plays Cheyenne? Ooh, fan cast. Who goes and looks Keel in the eyes and is like, well, they actually just share that look, and then Cheyenne stands up to Roddy and is like, no, I think that he'll be coming, and he can... Well, <laughs> old Boris is strong. He can come with us. What's your objection, Roddy? We took on the last sad sack who threw himself on our mercy. She nudges Marlin in the ribs. 
as like, I'm not being that serious, but we did take you into our caravan. <laughs> I have no qualms with this dragonborn. It's just, this isn't the place to complicate our already complicated dynamics. I don't know if another mouth to feed and let alone one that we can't trust yet is advised, but looks to Cheyenne. If you're saying you'll handle him, then so be it. You mentioned another mouth to feed. Keel, I hope I'm not overstepping when I say, if you're from here, you know this environment well. Um, maybe in exchange for uh, your for helping you have safe passage out of the swamp and uh, joining our group, you can help us gather a bit of extra food on our way out of this swamp so that we can make it through the rest of the trip. At the least, you've got to cover your own board, but Zeke's right. Anything extra could go a long way. I'll make myself useful. Um, I think Jolie would say, like, now, Cheyenne, I'll let you object, but I think our horse is just a little stronger. Would you let us take on the third person? Are you sure? Yeah. It'd make me sleep a little easier. Boris is such a sweet boy. I wouldn't want you to lose any sleep. Thank you, Cheyenne. Um, uh, great. Keel slinks out for a moment from underneath the, uh, wagon and then goes over to Jolie's wagon and goes underneath it. He is very content to be not inside of the wagon. Cool. Is he just gonna... Uh, when you aren't going through, like, water, like, probably, yeah, he wants to be out of the sun. I like this very feral <laughs> dragonborn yeah. guy keel welcome to the team you got two mommies now <laughs> hope you like cheese uh great plus one uh keel during this interaction i mean you guys would notice that in true tulip fashion though they watched quite uh with you know narrow eyes uh, this interaction they didn't really make much uh, of an effort to uh contribute to the conversation they were not altogether too uh, concerned whether this dragonborn came or did not come they're so annoying i know i hate them the events of the nights wind down so what i need now for you guys is uh watches the way that you are going to do this is not going to be too dissimilar to when you do the caravans uh you don't have to use everybody like we're going to say i'm going to say that you need uh just two watches because you kind of went late into the night and you want to get an early start you're not trying to spend too long here in the swamp Two watches, let's say comprising of three. Not to be like a bitch, but um, we fought seven toad monsters. So like not us and we were allowed to go to sleep. I'll put Fabio on first watch. He didn't do um, much today. Diane and Jolie both fought. Like I don't have anyone in my caravan who did it. So I probably would not volunteer myself. Um, I think Nomi and Hilda would volunteer themselves against my will. Would, um, Carlathan also be like, I want to stay out too. Oh, cute. Girls. It can't be like all teen girls. <laughs> Why not? Because they're not like trained combatants. But, yeah, but they can cute? scream. <laughs> it's very cute. It is cute. So there's that, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Are we not using cute? I'm just saying, why don't we like stagger them a little bit so it's not like a monster came and ate three 15-year-old girls <laughs> and no one woke up. But how will they play little games? Yeah, they're not going to bond. They're not going to watch the clique. Why don't we give them a, a, a chaperone? Uh, who's left? There's also Chorley. Would I put Chorley on watch? 
She seems distractible. She seems tougher than she looks. She, I think she's tougher than she looks. Can we ask Marlon? He ain't doing that much. Yeah, Mar- Marlon is less tough than he looks. Yeah, but yeah. he's like a capable like adult person. Like I think he can do a watch shift. Let's say Fabio, Marlon. Do you want to do Charlie? Yeah. And it's like we don't act on any of this, and Jordan just like describes for an hour <laughs> what like these three NPCs are. I would oh watch my God, it. Exactly his kind of bit too. Yeah. Except then they all end up having like uh, they're all like grips on a movie set. Oh no. <laughs> so here's a pitch. First watch is uh, it's the grown up slot, and it's Fabio, Marlin, Chorley, and Dor. And the second watch is Nomi, Hilda, Carla, and Ben supervising. Okay, because Ben wouldn't let her ben. anyway. Yeah, she'd be like, "I won't get dad. Can I wanna? Can I? Can I?" It's also stress that Ben would be like, "Yeah, this seems like a good idea," but you know what? I'm not the one. I am not the one who said put all the teen girls out late at night. You're right. You're right, you're right. There's just an alarm, basically. All right. Okay. Uh, Everyone, get up. We found cooties outside. <laughs> okay. Wow. They're like, they're like 17. Okay. We uh, we we are in the the deep night. Uh, we are in the deep night of the swamp. Uh, not even. <laughs> The moonlight makes its way in at all. It is a perfect dark. The only light that is uh, serving you all is whether you have night vision or by torchlight. Um, your vision stretches for, you know, uh, 30 yards or so and then dapples away to pure inky black past that. Um, beyond that range, you have no way of knowing what is transpiring. You hear the regular chitterings and chatterings that you would expect from a place like this, but nothing that altogether is too concerning. The first watch is Fabio, Marlon, Chorley, and Dor. I feel like with the describing of how good we can see, it's almost like Jordan thinks we're going to have to wake up at nighttime for some reason. Which I'm not. I'm not waking up. (laughs) The first watch passes with... Nothing eventful. All right, let's see how these teens do. Oh, yeah. we shouldn't have. You guys, I told you. Hi, Jinx. Can, well, can you take both those? Can you roll with disadvantage because you have three teens? <laughs> those girls, they were having so much fun. <laughs> so they, they did roll a seven, but Damn. they were playing. What were they playing? What's a good teen girl slumber party yeah, game? Like what do girls, girls do at slumber parties? We play a lot of mash. Yeah, they're playing mash. It, and it's like of the caravan. It's like, <laughs> you're gonna marry Zeke. No, that's my dad. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, it's like um, tulip door. Yeah. <laughs> FMK. Let's take yeah, Hilda. So everyone's kind of like sparse though because you're in like a 360. So it's not like all of you are looking at one direction. You're all kind of like four corners, kind of like taking individual spots and someone covering a little bit, like a kind of pacing within a range. Uh, and Hilda, when I say that there was the typical sounds of nights, that is true until at one point she starts to hear something. And it sounds like scraping rocks and she hears something and she kind of takes a step forward towards it straining her ears even more and then in the in the light there seems to be something that comes forward and then stops altogether and she calls out saying hello to it but there's no response she steps a little bit closer 
narrowing her eyes to try to see beyond that 30 yards, and she sees what looks like a person. And she takes another step out, and she says hello again, and then immediately it began skulking towards her. Out of fear, she rets out a screak and falls back onto the her. word you just said, sorry? Screak? Yeah, that one. What is that? Like, screak! <laughs> is that like a scream and a shriek? Yeah. Okay. I don't care. I'm standing by that one. Falls back onto, like, under her hands. And obviously that alerts the rest of the watch. And everyone starts to rush over. Obviously, Ben's trying to get over, but this figure is moving really fast. Now, kind of in a full sprint. It encroaches onto Hilda, this giant pool of green water erupts, washing over its body, and it sits there, sizzling, until what looks like half of a man, half of a rock, with um, uh, the distinct plumes that we've seen before coming from its head. The organic part that's not rock just melts away. And Hilda's eyes look over to see, see Kiel, who has thrown up acid on this thing. Oh, so Kiel saved her? Yes. We like Nice. Good job, Kiel. On that watch. And then uh, obviously Ben checks in on Hilda. There's a bit of commotion. Um, but largely averted. But this is the first time that you've seen um, now this more stone-like quality. I believe that you've seen some blooming, but not stone before. And you haven't seen them with this much. I don't even think that you've seen one actively yet. You just saw one by the water. We saw full stone, and we saw a guy with flowers, but not half stone. So... uh the picture gets a little bit clearer. Hilda level two? Hilda level eight. I would actually say that what we will take away from it is that Hilda gets resolve to make this like not happen again. So I would say that this is a bit more like the next time you choose to use Hilda in like a watch, you won't have to roll with disadvantage. Sweet. Which is good because they're not going to be as involved in combat. So again, they're slowly starting to settle into various types of involvements and roles. So she's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be better next time and I know what to look out for now. Maybe it's because we just had like a long discourse on teenage girls that it was surely cut from the final episode. But I thought you were going to say that she got a crush on Kiel. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> now the watch passes with no other interruptions. What was... The perfect inky black night now is back to the dappling of sunlight that comes through. It's like an overcast day because the trees are so large and massive. They cover most of the sun, but uh, it is now daytime. Thank you for listening to this episode of Many Realms. I'm back. I was in a pit for 30 days, but we are back. This has been our eighth installment of the many merchants of Maloon. If you want to join us for the whole ride across Maloon, you can subscribe to our podcast. You can learn more about us by following us on Twitter or Instagram at The Realmcast. Or if you want to support us financially, you can follow us on patreon.com slash many realms. 
I'll see you next time. Next time.